Hello, everyone, and welcome in to another edition of the Minnesota Sports Podcast here on November 5th, 2020. And take a break from all your election stuff. Just stop it. Turn off the TV. Get off Twitter. You know, do whatever. Turn off the radio. Whatever. Just stop reading the papers. Whatever. Just sit down. Get in your car. Drive somewhere. Put on this podcast or, or, you know, do some stuff around your house or put on this podcast or... Uh, go do a workout and put on this podcast. Basically, put on this podcast, and let's just take a break from all that and kind of step into some Minnesota sports stuff that's going this week because we do have some hashtag positivity uh, a little bit this week with the Minnesota Vikings pulling off a unbelievable upset uh, against the Green Bay Packers last Sunday, winning by a final score of twenty-two to twenty-eight. I mean, I. I'll be honest, like last week, we I mean, you can go back on the show. Last week, I thought we were going to get killed, like unbelievably killed. We had zero corner help. We had, I mean, like our corners were decimated. Everything just looked like it was just going to go in the direction. I said before, kind of had that vibes of 2010 Brad Childress versus the Packers gets killed. And then it's kind of the, the final nail in the coffin for uh, his head coaching tenure. And I said, if the Vikings lose bad enough and it's just a poor enough performance, do we see that? I didn't think it was likely, but I thought there was the possibility of it. And now the script is just completely flipped. Um, Mike Zimmer, uh, you know, put his stuff on the line, basically kind of, it's one of those wins where, you know, you just kind of walk in and you're like, I'm done when I say I'm done. And it was kind of the way that this game went for the Minnesota Vikings kind of reminded me of the two thousand of of last year's wild card game of last year's wild card game against New Orleans, where the Vikings didn't really have a good shot of coming in uh, of coming into New Orleans, going on the road, winning that game. You know the the lights were on. The Vikings hadn't beat a team with a winning record all all that year. New Orleans Saints were this close to having a first round bye, and. All that kind of stuff, presumptive Super Bowl favorites. And the Vikings come in and they pull off the win. And Mike Zimmer, and there was talk of maybe Mike Zimmer gets fired after that game or or they at least look into some serious uh, kind of changes there uh, with the Vikings. The Vikings are one and done in that wildcard game. And Mike Zimmer basically says, like, no, I'm still the head coach of this football team. Here's my, like, I am still valuable. Like, you still need me to win with this group of guys here. And Mike Zimmer basically did that again. I, and not in the same way. I still, you know, there's still a chance where this season could still go completely south and Mike Zimmer could still be shown the door. But I'm saying that for the talk last week, and we talked last week on the show, where these three weeks were going to be very crucial for Mike Zimmer's job security. There are going to be very crucial because the Vikings only had one win coming into last week, but also they were playing three games against divisional opponents. They were playing against Green Bay in Lambeau after already getting, you know, pretty embarrassed. They were getting, after getting embarrassed by them last time, um, then you are playing Detroit at home, and then you are Monday Night Football at Soldier Field against the Bears, all that kind of stuff. And if you go 0 for 3 on that stuff, including a prime time loss to a division rival, it, it's over. Like it would have been over. And Mike Zimmer, I think with beating Green Bay, I think beating Detroit and then getting embarrassed by Green Bay and Chicago probably could have had the same fate. But I think beating Green Bay was huge. Beating Green Bay was huge. It's the arch rival. It's it's the team you have to beat. I mean, let's say the, the Vikings bring in a new head coach. Goal number one, yeah, winning the Super Bowl, whatever. Goal number one outside of that, winning the division. Well, how do you win the division? You have to beat the Packers. You have to beat the Packers. There's no way you can win the division where you can't, where you have, like, there's no way the Vikings have ever won a division, and there's no way you can win the division without beating the Packers at least once. Sometimes you got to do it twice, but but at least if you split. 
And Mike Zimmer, for the most part, has been able to do that. I, I don't have the current numbers in front of me, but you know, he, anecdotally, he's at least been able to hold his own against the Packers, and that's something that Matt Patricia certainly can't say, and that's something Matt Nagy can't say. Um, but you know, Mike Zimmer basically came in and he said, look, I'm still the head coach of this football team. I can still lead us to victory even when everything is on the table and stuff is stacked against me. Mike Zimmer is great because as a head coach, one of his better assets, I should say, as a head coach is his kind of bleep you, we're going to prove you wrong kind of attitude. And a lot of people in sports have that mantra. And you would see a lot with Bill Belichick, Tom Brady. They always be like, everybody wants us to lose or nobody thinks we can win this game. And it's like, you're the New England Patriots. Everybody thinks you can win this game. And then they go out and they kind of, they somehow find a way to have the underdog mentality. And I, you know, I don't play, I've never played professional sports, obviously, because I sit here and have a podcast about them. But I've, you know, I, I haven't, you know, seen a lot of that kind of high intensity organized sports to, but the thing that everybody can kind of understand is when you're an underdog, you just play harder, that ability to prove people wrong. And maybe this is in everybody else's relationships, whether it's your job, whether it's, um, how you do X or Y, whether it's just kind of these expectations you have of you, uh, whatever you have, whatever people have of you. And to be able to say, you know what, I'm going to prove you wrong, that causes people to work so much harder and to just have so much of an edge. And Mike Zimmer did. I mean, he came in there and said, all right, nobody's given me a chance to win. I have John off the street and nobody to play corner, and we're going to go into Lambeau Field and we're going to beat Aaron Rodgers and a team that only had one loss under the year to Tampa Bay, which is a team that people are giving Super Bowl aspirations to. So Green Bay was certainly rocking coming in there, and for them to lose to the Vikings probably says more about the Packers than it does the Vikings, and we'll get into that in a second because I think the Packers kind of tried to shed their fraud. Uh, they were probably the most fraudulent 3-13 and team to get to an NFC Championship game I've ever seen, but, um, you know, they they got... They're 5-2 and two right now, so they're still in good position. You know, every team might have a fluky loss here or there, so whatever, but... Let's just kind of talk a little bit about the game. I think this game was the perfect Mike Zimmer game. It really was. And I'm going to tell you why. The conditions at Lambeau Field were perfect. They were perfect for Mike Zimmer. It was cold. It was windy, unbelievably windy, which meant that you couldn't really throw the ball. And maybe that played into it a little bit. I think that definitely helped the Vikings is the fact that for half the game, you couldn't really take those deep shots if you're Aaron Rodgers and the Packers because the wind is a factor. The wind is a factor for punting, and the wind is a factor for kicking. So it really took some stuff off the board, kind of, and it affected the Vikings too, The you know, but it was a really Mike Zimmer game in the sense that it was just you're just going to have to slug it out and you're going to have to rely on your defense and your running game because, like I said, the Vikings, they couldn't really do play action. And Dalvin Cook put on a show. And and the reason I kind of want to avoid saying this because this is, deserves a, a little bit of time in itself is it was the Dalvin Cook show on Sunday. I mean, unbelievable. I mean, I know paying running backs is always a fool's errand and, and, and it always comes back to bite teams but man, like, there's no way the Vikings could have justified saying, all right, Delvin, have fun. That was a fun four years. Have fun getting paid somewhere else in free agency. You just had to re-sign Delvin Cook. I know there were some people saying, well, Alexander Madison seems fine. Maybe you can just get a patchwork kind of effort with your running backs. And it's like, yeah, you can do a patchwork running back. You you can do running back by committee if you're, if you're an offensive kind of mind like Sean McVay. And you have your quarterback and Jared Goff feel like you have a good enough system. You can afford to do running back by committee, but let's not pretend that Todd Gurley wasn't huge for their offense when he was at his prime. Um, if you're Tom Brady, 
you don't you can do running back by committee. If you're Drew Brees, Alvin Kamara helps in the passing game and all that kind of stuff. But but you're running back by like like they still split with Latavius Murray and all that kind of stuff. It it's the these teams with quarterbacks that are kind of middling. They really do need these running backs. Running games really do help these teams. A solid running game because and this is this is something to point out too. Is last time the Vikings played Green Bay in Minnesota, the Packers held the ball for like three quarters of the game. It was unbelievable how much Green Bay just sat on the ball. They just ran it down the Vikings' throats. The Vikings couldn't sustain a drive after the first quarter, and the Packers just basically sat on the ball the whole time. And this one looked like it had the makings of that early on. The Packers were holding the ball a lot, but Dalvin Cook running so effectively was able to bring that time of possession back down. It was able to bring it kind of back to balance, and it just was amazing. I mean, I... I know the Vikings did a good job of kind of minimizing their mistakes from the last time out and key, and, and just making sure that they had the ball, keeping it out of the hands of Aaron Rodgers. Again, another thing of a Mike Zimmer win is having having a good running game to be able to sit on the ball and to be able to milk that clock and keep your defense and the opposing quarterback off the field. And that's important when you're playing a Hall of Fame quarterback and your defense is basically hanging together by like a piece of worn out gum and string from Ben Franklin Kraft. I, I don't know. I got nothing here. They got they got nothing. And so it's it's just amazing. Dalvin Cook, four touchdowns in that game. Uh, just, I mean, I, I, he looked in complete control. I mean, I could pull up his stats, but I think if anybody watched the game, they just know that Dalvin, like they've seen the highlights. They've, they've seen Dalvin. It's just, he, he was amazing in that game. And it just, and it's one of those kind of Superman performances. You're not going to see him do that every week. You'll probably see him do it maybe once a season. But for that one game, he we talk about games where Adrian Peterson put the team on his back to win them games. This is a classic example of Dalvin Cook putting the team on his shoulders and winning the game. And the biggest difference, I will say, between Dalvin Cook and Adrian Peterson, and this is kind of can tie in because the Vikings are playing the Lions this week, Adrian Peterson, we forget is on Detroit. We also forget Everson Griffin is on Detroit after a trade um, from Dallas to Detroit, and we'll get to the trade deadline in a second, but Dalvin Cook put the team on his back, and not only did he put the team on his back, he gave his team credit. Adrian Peterson would have never done that. I know Adrian Peterson bought snowmobiles for his offensive linemen when he set the rushing record and all that kind of stuff, and and yada, 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 but Adrian Peterson was full of himself. Dalvin Cook, for the supposed character concerns coming out of college, which I never, I never got that. I never got that. And maybe GMs and all that who were actually talking to him and actually kind of connected to sources and all that kind of stuff maybe had something that uh, most people on the outside don't. But, I mean, looking at this whole process, to, for people to think that there was ever concerns about Dalvin Cook, and that's the reason why I fell to the second round and fell right into the Vikings' lap was of quote-unquote character concerns. Dalvin Cook is a stand-up guy. He's done a lot of stuff in the community. But the most important, uh, not the most important, but an important thing was after that game, he thanked his offensive linemen so many times. When he got named Offensive Player of the Week, which he did this week, he posted a picture of the bench with all of his offensive linemen on it. He does the whenever he scores a touchdown, he gives the ball to the off, to CJ Ham, the fullback, or to any of the offensive linemen, and lets them spike it, lets them join in, because he's basically saying, "You are just as much a part of this touchdown as I am." Adrian Peterson would have never did that. Adrian Peterson, I still think is a better player right now. Maybe that's nostalgia. I think Delvin Cook just needs to stay healthy. He needs to have like a full healthy season. But man, man, Delvin Cook is special. Delvin Cook is special and he's worth 
every penny right now of that contract. Now, again, he's still on his rookie deal. That contract doesn't kicked in yet. But, man, I mean, if he can stay healthy, he's he's the best running back in the league. He's one of the best running backs in the league. I, I can't think of much better ones off the top of my head. I mean, now, again, I don't always like to rank. I'll do this with quarterbacks. I say I don't like to rank them. I like to kind of put them in tiers because it's very hard to say who's one and two and three. Instead, I like to kind of say, like, okay, here's the top tier. Here's, like, a good but not great tier. Here's, like, a serviceable, like, I'll get you by in a one, two-game stretch where your starter's hurt and, and guys who can't find their way out of a hole. Um, so... I think Dalvin Cook is in that top tier of running backs. He's one of the best running backs in the league, and he proved it again on Sunday by putting the team on his back. Um, So now let's talk about the trade deadline quickly. The Vikings, after trading Unique Ngakwe, and we kind of talked about that a little bit on the show last week, um, just kind of about how that trade went down. Um, No other trades happened. I know there were some rumors that the Vikings were trying to trade Anthony Harris. Um, That didn't work out. Um, And here's the thing, is them winning that game, the trade deadline was Tuesday. So last Tuesday. So the Vikings won that game and it kind of makes it a little bit harder after you just have a win like that to be able to trade a player. Now you're still two and five. So you still make the case of like, look, we're not going to be able to salvage this. And, but maybe we'll get to that in a second. And we're not going to be able to salvage this. We still need to sell off parts. The only guy was Anthony Harris. Um, you know, and they would have probably got like a day three pick. Now again, it's still better than nothing. The Vikings would have still had to pay a little bit of a salary though for the rest of the season. Um, I just think, Kind of, and especially with your cornerback group being as depleted as it was, with you winning that second game with some of these teams like the Jets, with some of these other teams that are just so bad, there's no way you're going to be able to out tank them unless you literally sell off everything and tell your starters to sit and all this kind of stuff and make it blatant that you are going to tank. Um, I think the you know I and we'll get to kind of all this stuff in a second, but I think the Vikings basically just said, all right. We don't have an offer we like. We're going to stamp at. And for better or worse, I think the Vikings should have tried to do a little bit more selling. But I always think this in the NFL. I always think people overhype the NFL trade deadline. People like the NBA trade deadline is a little bit overhyped, but sometimes there's moves. Sometimes every once in a while you get that Blake Griffin kind of blockbuster deal um, or something along those lines. But you know, or you know, or baseball. Baseball trade deadline is really exciting because it's so easy for a player to go from one team to another because it's very individualized <clears throat> in a sense in baseball, especially if you're just a hitter. It's really easy to be able to get on a plane, go to a different city, grab a bat, and hit. It's a little bit harder if you're a pitcher to be able to go and try and have to communicate signs with a new team and, and go over a game plan and all this kind of stuff. It's a little bit harder, but it, it's still doable. Uh, especially if you're like a reliever. If you're a starter, it's a little bit harder because you kind of got to catch up with the catcher and all and all this kind of stuff. Basketball, it's pretty easy. You just got to kind of go over some basic things, They, you know, whatever. Football is incredibly hard to go from one team to another. You have to learn an entire new playbook, a new system, all this kind of stuff. It's incredibly hard to do in the middle of a season when you base, and they want you to play as early as you can. And it's go, 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 go. Um, it's really hard to do that. And it's even harder to do it during a pandemic when you got to self quarantine and when you got to worry about travel and then you got to worry about like, Oh, I'm going to be going to a completely different city and my family and all this kind of stuff. And, and all the, you know, which is whatever, like, but I'm just saying there's a lot more, there's a lot more things at play in the NFL trade deadline. I always think the NFL trade deadline gets overhyped every once in a while. There's maybe a player or two that gets swapped, but it's, it's never big time starters. It's usually like kind of guys who it's like, all right, this is kind of a nice bump up. It's never like we're going all in to make a trade here. Um, maybe the last one I can remember 
is Jimmy Garoppolo, but I don't even think that that was. But I don't. That wasn't much more of a trade deadline move than just an in-season trade. So there's really nothing. The NFL trade deadline is always one of the most overhyped days in sports, but um, just because of all those factors going in. Um, so looking at uh, kind of the season as we go now, like I said before, the Vikings didn't sell off pieces. Uh, you know, maybe they think they still have a shot, and maybe it's not as crazy as it seems. Let's walk kind of through this here. They, th- I thought the Vikings had a chance to lose out. I thought with the team playing as bad as it was, I thought they get beat by Green Bay. And then the Lions are respectable. They'll probably finish 7-9 and nine and continue with another year of Patricia. But they're at least, like, not a dumpster fire. They're Detroit. And 7-9 and nine is their ceiling, uh, especially with Matt Patricia. And then Chicago's good enough, especially Monday Night Football, um, especially Monday Night Football in Soldier Field, you just know it's probably not going to go well for them. The Cowboys' um, pre-DAC injury you thought was probably going to be a loss. Teddy Bridgewater coming back to U.S. Bank Stadium would be interesting. The Panthers are rebuilding, but I guess so are the Vikings, so it's kind of hard. Jaguars is one maybe you think you could win, but also with how bad the team is playing, you didn't really know. Buccaneers you're probably writing down as a loss. Bears, it's kind of a toss-up. Um, New Orleans, you're thinking, is a loss, especially on the road on Christmas Day. And then Lions, again, who knows with kind of how both teams' seasons are going. Um, but now now this kind of takes a different perspective, and it's funny how one game, how one game can change everything. Um, so let's look, let's look at the schedule here. We kind of ran down some of this. So now let's look at it from this perspective. Detroit this week is, again, we've kind of said Detroit. Their, their ceiling is probably 8-8, eight 7-9. Eight, That's like probably their highest, uh, the way this team is currently assembled. Um, I, I, I think the Vikings could pull it off. It's at home. Now, granted, the Vikings do much better at home with a big crowd, and, and the Lions haven't real, you know, the Lions haven't really been able to, especially when Matt Stafford's playing, uh, when he's not hurt. Uh, the Lions typically haven't been phased too much by U.S. Bank Stadium, so maybe that's something to look into. I don't believe the Vikings have lost to Detroit since Matt Patricia has been the head coach. I think the last time the Vikings lost to the Lions was. 20, was Thanksgiving Day 2016. I think that was probably the last time the Vikings lost to the Lions because then the next season... Or no, sorry. Uh, it was 2017 was the last time the Vikings lost to the Lions. Um, that was when they were 2-2 two and two on the season. And then uh, the Vikings rattled off like eight straight wins and threw themselves right into uh, NFC title contention. Um, but then they, the Lions fired... Uh, Jim Caldwell that year, and then entered Matt Patricia, where the Vikings, even in a season where they went 8-8, eight eight, were still able to handle the Lions both times because they were that bad. Um, then the Vikings uh, last season were able to beat the Lions both times because they're just that bad. Um, so yeah, a, lo- a lot of, you know, it's I, I think the Vikings probably edged this one out. Um, now Matt Stafford was put on the COVID list. His wife said that now they tested negative. Um Patricia hasn't really said what the status of him is, so that'll be interesting to look at. Um, Then the Vikings play the Bears. I think that one's probably a loss. Um, Cowboys, the Vikings can win. Panthers, the Vikings can win. Jaguars, the Vikings can win. And then you play uh, Buccaneers, Saints, and then the Bears again, and then the Lions. So let's see. If the the Vikings probably could... Let's say they split against Detroit, so they go... So they beat Detroit next week, so now they're at 3-5. and five. And then they lose to Chicago, so they're 3-6. and six. And Then they beat Dallas, so they're 4-6. and six. They beat Carolina, so they're 5-6. and six. They beat Jacksonville. All of a sudden, they're 6-6 six and six with four games left to go. And keep in mind, there's an extra playoff spot this year. 
So let's say the Vikings lose to Tampa. So now they're six and seven. Let's say the Vikings at home, because it's Matt Nagy and the Bears are kind of unpredictable, especially with Nick Foles. Let's say the Vikings beat the Bears. They're seven and seven. And then the Vikings um, you know, play the Saints on Christmas Day, they lose. And then I said the Vikings, let's say they'll split with the Lions, we'll give them the benefit of the doubt. So the Vikings this season in a rebuilding year, their their ceiling is probably seven and nine. That's like probably the best situation. Seven to nine, eight and eight is probably the best situation they can get. But remember with that one extra playoff spot, it could really change things a lot. Um, I think the NFC West being as good as they are early on definitely probably doesn't help your case get into the playoffs. But as the season goes on, um, kind of it'll start to sort itself out, especially with all the injuries San Francisco's had to go off of and all that kind of stuff. So um, the Vikings, they have a shot. I mean, and again, these are kind of just being trying to be as objective as I can. You could make the case maybe the Vikings sweep the Lions twice, they split with the Bears, so then they have, you know, and then they beat the Panthers, Jaguars, and they're only, you say that they're only two losses, they have three more losses on the year, so yes, uh, eight and eight. And then maybe that's good enough to get into the playoffs. But that'd be a far cry from starting the season one and six. To be able to finish eight and eight like that would, again, it would probably justify, it would definitely justify another year of Zimmer Rick. Um, it would probably justify the Vikings to kind of keep going. It, it would certainly taper down the quarterback hype for next year, uh, kind of the tank for Trevor, uh, the, uh, you know, the people who say the Vikings should draft a quarterback. It'll probably make the Vikings push that off for one more year, and they'll probably try and run it back with Kirk Cousins and see if it doesn't blow up in their faces again and try and, you know, pick a three technique in the first round and try and keep rebuilding that defense, and then you'll have Michael Pierce back, and then you'll have Daniel Hunter back, and you kind of try and figure it out from there. Um, but it'll really be interesting to see where they go. Uh, kind of with that, but I will say this: I've been very, I've been very optimistic, been a hashtag positive today. I will say though, let's play the other side here. This win, like I said, the conditions were perfect for Mike Zimmer. The conditions were perfect for the Vikings to win this game. What if it was kind of that fluky win? What if it was that win where it was like, okay, a bunch of stuff went right for you, and you know the the Packers went for it on fourth and ten deep in you know kind of or they went for it at fourth and ten at like midfield, kind of just in front of midfield, and like it was a very ill advised decision and and all that kind of stuff, and you had a couple lucky breaks go your way and all that kind of stuff and and whatever, and you know this team still has flaws. This team still has a lot of flaws. Like, let's still be fair. Like, the wind definitely got in the way of Green Bay being able to throw the ball, especially throw the ball deep downfield. So we kind of covered up. It kind of covered up those mistakes. The Vikings are going to be playing indoors against Matt Stafford, a guy who, you know, despite the team he's on, can still throw it all around the field. So there is still a good shot that, you know, this this cornerback group isn't fixed. There is still a lot of issues they have to figure out. Um, they, like, there is still a lot of stuff that needs to get done. The defense is still in question. The secondary is still in shambles. And Kirk Cousins, again, they couldn't throw the ball a lot, so it was a lot of short stuff. It was a lot of safe throws. And with Dalvin Cook being Dalvin Cook, just running right down the throats of uh, Green Bay, uh, really didn't have to rely on Kirk that much. And, and again, that's the Mike Zimmer prototype. But you can't win every game with that Mike Zimmer prototype, and especially in a game where it probably looks like, I'm going to guess that this game will probably be a shootout. Now, based on how my predictions have, going, have gone this year, I'll probably be wrong, but I'm going to guess that this one on Sunday is probably going to be pretty high scoring if Matt Stafford plays. If Matt Stafford doesn't play, on the other hand, then it gives the Vikings an exponentially better shot to win this game. I think the Vikings, I think this is a toss-up game. I think they'll. I think they have a good shot of winning, but at the same time, who knows? Um, with with kind of this stuff. I think it'll be a shootout either way, um, or at least be very high scoring for one team. 
Um, so here's the here's the thing that has to go with the Vikings in the playoffs. In a sea, almost everything has to go right in the playoffs. You have to win all these games that are kind of toss-ups. They're like, oh, hey, that team's bad. We should be able to beat them, despite the fact that we only have two wins. And who knows? Carolina, Jacksonville, Dallas are probably thinking the same thing that you, you know about you, that you're thinking about them. So who knows? So in a season where almost everything has gone wrong, with the corners, with Daniil Hunter, with Unique Ngakwe not working out, with everything blowing up the way it has been, you're expecting everything to go the opposite for the rest of the year. I just don't see it. I, ju- I, I don't see this. Te- like, I, I think there's a chance. But, you, again, Minnesota sports fans know. You're, Minnesota sports fans who are being honest with you will say, look, everything has to be perfect, and look, it's probably just not going to happen. Like, you can still watch, and you can still maybe kind of have that gut-level hope, but it's it's over. They're not They're not making the playoffs. Basically, what they're going to do is the worst-case scenario, the worst-case scenario is the Vikings go 7-9, and 8-8, and eight and fill themselves with false hope, and they keep doing what they're doing instead of being on the verge of what they probably should do, and that's realize that they need to make some some wide-scale changes to this roster. Not a, I'm not saying, like, blow everything up, trade anybody of value. I'm just saying they need to take a step back and continue rebuilding instead of thinking that they're right on the doorstep and that just a few games went their way, you know, broke their way. And again, I said, you know, in a season where almost everything hasn't gone their way, when you talk about the Tennessee game, you know, and the Seattle game and all these, you know, and and some of these other kind of things just falling right out of their, just slipping right out of their grasp, the Vikings would be in a lot different situation if, let's say, they pull out the Tennessee game, if they pull out uh, Seattle, if, you know, I... If they pull out those games, the Vikings are two and five right now. But if they win against Seattle, they're three and four. And if they win, and if they hold on against Tennessee, they're four and three. Four and three at this point in the season, with the hardest part of your schedule, looks great for you. You are in a much better position. I just you're in a much better position to go maybe like ten and six or something, or nine and seven, and try and squeak into the playoffs. I just don't see them being able to do this right now. Um, so I. Again, this vi- and I know people are like, well, we are just on the doorstep of winning those games, but also good teams finish off those games, good teams win those games. The Vikings are not a complete dumpster. The Vikings are not like the Cleveland Browns, New York Jets, 2016 Cleveland Browns, um, 2017 Cleveland Browns that went winless, the 2008 Detroit Lions. They're not the, the current New York Jets where you know they are just the worst dumpster fire ever. But they're a team with flaws. They're a team that's not going to contend for a Super Bowl. And in a year where you're not going to win the Super Bowl, why would you try and make the playoffs? As a fan, Zimmer and Spielman are going to try and make the playoffs to save their jobs. But as a fan, why would you want them to squeak in at 7-9, and 8-8 eight with that extra playoff spot, get their butts kicked in round one, and then feel like your team is on the right track when some stuff needs to change? That's all I'm going to say with this. It's just a lot of stuff's going to have to break your way, and I just I just don't see it happening. Um, but who knows? Um, at least it'll be some entertaining football. At least the Vikings showed a little bit of life in them. And even though as a Minnesota sports fan, again, back to the hashtag positivity, man, it's good to beat the Packers. Man, it just feels good. It, it really does. You know, especially to hand, especially with the situations coming into the game like they did, for the Vikings to come in and beat Green Bay, that really feels good. And for Mike Zimmer, that has to be a feather in his cap, no matter how this season goes, is the fact that they were able to beat Green Bay. Doesn't matter the situations, doesn't matter all that kind of stuff. They still went in and won that game. 
even though, like I said, it, it could feel a little more fluky. They still they still came out with the final score, and Mike Zimmer shouldn't have to apologize for that aspect of it. Anyway, uh, so let's move on, finish off this podcast here, talking some Minnesota Twins. And as kind of this offseason starts to roll along, free agency's coming. Players are getting their qualifying offers and all this kind of stuff as we slowly but surely move closer to um, you know, uh, free agency and kind of maybe some action happening. Now, MLB free agency is just so long. There's just, it's so stretched out that you're basically just, it all kind of depends on who the free agents are of that year to really tell, um, kind of how exciting the free agency period is going to go. Um, you could have it a year like, like three years ago, um, where, everybody was just kind of sitting and waiting for free agents to make moves and they didn't sign until like a week before spring training. And we spent all of December, January, and most of February just sitting there going, when is something going to happen? Um, so it all depends. One of the bigger free, you know, when you think of Marcus Stroman, Trevor Bauer, uh, some of those guys will be key pitchers on the market that the twins will look to sign, or at least, or at least, you know, twins fans will hope the team will sign. Um, one of the biggest things, though, is you got to look at who's not going to be on this team next year. We already kind of talked about Nelson Cruz, but now I don't kind of want to talk today about Eddie Rosario. He's a guy that the Twins are probably going to non-tender. And what I mean by that is the Twins can try and tender him, and they can try and uh, try and keep him around for another year. But um, I, I just don't think I don't think Eddie Rosario will be on this uh, Twins team next year. So uh, here, I'm just going to read you this here from uh, MLB Trade Rumors. Um and it says, the Twins could try to move outfielder Eddie Rosario this offseason, but the 29-year-old has, quote, very little trade value, unquote, and is a clear non-tender candidate, Dan Hayes of the Athletic Rights. Rosario was an above-average hitter with good power from 17 to 20, a 2002 plate appearance span in which he batted 281, 317, 493, and with 96 home runs. Still, though, his projected arbitration salary is anywhere from $8.6 to $12.9 million and, proved to be, and could prove to be too much for the Twins and all other teams. Minnesota also has two rising outfield prospects in Kirilov and Larnack, so the team could save Rosario's money with a non-tender and turn one, of those, and turn one or both of those younger players in his stead. That's basically what the Twins are going to have to do. Rosario should not be on the 2021 Twins. You have to tell Eddie, it was fun. Thanks for the memories. Uh, hope you have the best of luck somewhere else. The Twins aren't going to get very little. They're not going to get a lot of trade value for him. They're not going to want to. Mainly is because teams don't want to pay that arbitration salary. Eddie Rosario is probably not worth He's not worth that much money. Uh, so the Twins are going to have to figure out what they want to do with him. My guess is he's going to get non-tendered. Eddie Rosario's time in Minnesota is done. Um, there's just too much of a logjam at that position, even if you do like Eddie Rosario. Alex Kirloff and Trevor Larnack and, and Brent Rooker and all these kind of outfield. Brent Rooker maybe play first base, maybe play right field, but the point is that there's a lot of there's a lot of guys who can fill spots. There's a lot of young guys, a lot of good prospects. These aren't just hashtag prospects that the Twins are trying to be like, oh, look, he's here. These are like, no, Larnack is a Twins top prospect. Uh, Kirloff is the Twins top prospect. You got to make room for him, especially when you call him up in the playoffs. And then he's one of your only guys that can actually swing a bat in the one game he played. Kirilov is going to be the starting left fielder next year. Him or Larnick. That's just my prediction. My guess is they'll go with Kirilov unless uh, unless something big happens or something earth-shattering where somebody switches positions or or something like that. The Twins have a lot of depth. And unless they trade Larnick or Kirilov, they're not, they're not going to trade Kirilov. So unless maybe they they have a chance to make a deal and Larnick is like the top piece or something like that because they just have so much of a logjam. But Eddie Rosario's done. And I think we just need to be able to appreciate what it was. Don't be mad that he's, you know, don't be mad that he's leaving. 
no, whatever. It's just kind of how it works. Um, basically, my re recap of Eddie Rosario, he's a flawed but fun player. I think Eddie Rosario's flaws are just way too big to mask up. I think his kind of, you know, a QB1 kind of uh, hero ball kind of stuff from the outfield was fun when it worked, and it was really frustrating when it didn't. When he was able to skip the cutoff guy and throw a bullet to home plate to get, you know, to finish off the Red Sox in, 20, in September 2019 when you really needed a win to hold to kind of hold off Cleveland, that was exciting, and that, those are plays you loved. Plays when Eddie Rosario missed the cutoff guy and the throw went into the other team's dugout, that was also really frustrating. Eddie Rosario, when he takes a pitch at his eyes and hits it for a, a walk-off three-run home run against Cleveland in 2018, great, you love it. Eddie Rosario, when he swings at the first pitch at his eyes and pops it up to the catcher, frustrating. It's He's a fun but flawed player. And I think the Twins just basically have to say, thanks for the memories. It was a lot of fun. You know, we appreciate everything you've did for our team, our franchise, and helping turn kind of this Twins team around. You kind of got there in 2015 when the team was really kind of starting to put together that nucleus that they have now um, after all those rebuilding years. And you basically just kind of have to say thanks for the memories and go have fun somewhere else because we uh, are just wanting to go in a different direction. And I think that it's going to be okay. I think the Twins are going to be just fine, especially if Alex Kirloff is going to take that spot in left. All right, well, I think that about does it. We're going to talk a lot more about uh, the rest of Minnesota sports stuff coming up uh, next week. Uh, the Vikings, again, are playing Detroit. That'll be key um, kind of in kind of where the season goes. If the Vikings win, it makes things look a little bit interesting. And if the Vikings lose, it kind of caps off. It kind of basically would eliminate any kind of these questions that we've talked about today. Um, so, And we'll, we'll have more Twins for agency stuff as kind of news breaks in. I don't want to get too deep into it yet, just to kind of see what rumblings are to kind of see what happens. Um, this Eddie Rosario stuff is kind of breaking this week, so I felt the need to bring it up. Uh, we'll kind of we'll kind of see how it goes from there. The Wolves are kind of moving up with the number one overall pick. That that's day is getting closer and closer. The players are going to try and vote to see when um, when they're going to start the NBA season. Whether it's going to be kind of late December, Christmas time, or whether it's going to be in the new calendar year, we'll find out. There's still a lot of stuff going on, so be sure to tune in next week here on the Minnesota Sports Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Minnesota Sports Podcast. You can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Be sure to leave a five-star review and share the podcast on social media to help spread the word.